Attention, this is a matter of national security. After a meteorite crashed into the New Jersey Turnpike, the following digital audio transmission from the You Watch I Listen podcast was intercepted by NASA scientists in the year 2019. The You Watch I Listen podcast is about to start. Sit down, listen close, and try not to die. The You Watch I Listen podcast starts now. Home Depot uh, in Kansas had to be evacuated for a bomb threat. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, take it out, take it out. Okay, yeah, oh, suck it nice and slow. <laughs> Couple other really funny news stories. Kenny G. Who the fuck is Kenny G? The fucking clarinet player. Oh, suck it nice. <laughs> what did he do wrong? He's being Charles Manson all weird. In the middle of it, he cuts her off and goes, Oh, fuck you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, take it out, take it Dude, out. Dude, now I see why people followed Charles Manson. He was very straightforward. Yeah, he had the right idea. It's time for the You Watch I Listen podcast, and always remember, don't sniff it, just do it. Five, four. Oh, are we on? We're on. Okay. Um, hi, guys. Welcome to episode 70 of You Watch I Listen. Uh, I am your host, Dan, and my usual co-host, uh, Taylor, is to my right. You're not Taylor. I'm not Taylor. Wow. That ch- I was going to say, that chair looks like it's not as low to the ground. Uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> well, hey, no, because because he's bigger than you. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> this is the one time I'm complimenting you. You should take it, Josh. Yeah, I know. That's true. So, jo- uh, ta- Josh is sitting in for Taylor. Uh, Taylor has uh, pneumonia. Pneumonia. Um, it's kind of funny, actually. So, he was texting me over the weekend. And he's like, dude, I got the worst cold. Uh, I feel like shit. I was like, then, I'm like, you need to, because he's like a stubborn cunt. He's like, I don't want to take medicine. Go buy the DayQuil, NyQuil combo pack and just zombie yourself out. Yeah. Drink water. Pretty simple. So I, he texts me on uh, Sunday night. He's like, so I've been taking it, but I'm throwing it up every time. <laughs> I'm like, he's like, I think I have the flu. I'm like, first off, flu season's like a month away. It's like October when flu well, season starts. Well, that doesn't starts. mean anything. I got the flu in June once. That's true. I guess it's true. But he was like telling me the other symptoms. And I'm like, dude, you have pneumonia. No, no, I don't. <laughs> so then he goes to the doctor on Tuesday or yesterday, and he sends me a text, just hashtag Perot's nose. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'm like, how mad were you when the doctor said this is what it is? And you're like, fucking cocksucker Dan is right. <laughs> I'd be mad, too. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, welcome to episode 70. You watch. I listen. Uh, Josh Engineer is sitting in for Taylor this week. And I thank you, Josh, for filling Taylor's duties on watching the movie, no uh, which we'll get into a little bit. But before we get started, um, you know, it's football season and everyone, you know, likes giving their picks, telling us who they think is going to win and lose. But people also like making money. And there's only one place you should be betting on NFL and any other sport, and that is BetDSI. And there's a, a couple of reasons you should choose BetDSI. BetDSI has been paying winners for over 20 years. They are the top-rated betting site on betting review sites. 
Use your sports knowledge and make extra cash immediately because BetDSI has a very friendly user interface and mobile site. They have the fastest payouts in the industry. It's pretty simple, guys. You play, you win, and you get paid. BetDSI offers betting options for everything from MLB to NBA, NFL, NHL, UFC, boxing, and all other major sports, politics, reality TV, esports, virtually everything. You could try live betting at BetDSI where you can bet in-game, start to finish, every play, and every minute until the end. New members will get a 100% bonus match by using promo code YWIL, as in you watch, I listen. That's more than double your money to start winning immediately. I play there myself, and I recommend BetDSI to add some extra excitement to the sports you love or any other sports you're following. Once again, go to BetDSI.com and use promo code YWIL to get this limited time 100% bonus offer plus a free $25 wager to test the waters. Don't miss out and go make some extra cash this betting season. It's only a game until you bet it at BetDSI. And Josh, say hi to our friends over at the Hashtag Shots for Likes podcast. Guess what, bros and broads? What's that? Fudge and Finn's Hashtag Shots for Likes podcast is bringing video into the mix. Not only can you continue to listen to iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher, you will now be able to watch them stream their episodes every Saturday night after 11 p.m. Eastern. Your favorite booze-consuming podcast will be discussing sports, video games, and embarrassing drunken stories. Streaming on Twitch, YouTube, and Mixer. Visit the links below and watch and enjoy the assholery. Twitch.tv forward slash Shots for Likes podcast. Mixer.com forward slash Shots for Likes podcast. Visit ShotsForLikesPodcast.com and click on the YouTube icon up top to watch on YouTube. Drink with us. And as always, don't be guns. And we got one more shout out to our buddies over at Lobo Sound. If you guys have a product that you're looking to advertise, you should be calling Lobo Sound. If you need a website for that product, you should also be calling Lobo Sound. And that's because Lobo Sound's world-renowned commercial production and website construction in English, Spanish, and Polish have made Lobo Sound a fixture in the Chicago radio and digital advertising communities. But Lobo Sound isn't limited to just Chicago. Alaska, Atlanta, Toronto, Toledo, Hawaii, New Jerk, New Jerk, New, New Jersey, Jerk. New York, and New York, Montecito, California. Wherever you are, Lobo Sound has your back. Lobo Sound helps you reach your target market effectively and affordably. Reach who you want to reach when you want on all devices and applications. For more information, call Lobo Sound at 630-244-9704. That's 630-244-9704. Or you can visit them at LoboSound.com. Again, LoboSound.com. And if you mention you watch I Listen, you will get a 10% discount. So visit LoboSound.com or call them at 630-244-9704. So Josh, how was your week? Solid week well, this week. it's been two weeks, technically. Yeah, well, I um, mean, bad week last week, solid week this yeah, week. Yeah, so how many tires have you blown out in the last, uh, let's say, two years? That's a solid 12. <laughs> a solid 12. So, honestly, what you should do is one more for a baker's dozen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and is it in the same, like, area every time it happens? You know what it is, dude? It's uh, New Jersey? So, yeah, it's New Jersey in general. So well, it's New Jersey, low-profile car. I drive a treacherous route. Yeah, to work. and um, it's funny because you'd think the areas like up here where you get way more snow, the roads would be worse. Nope. Nope. Absolutely <laughs> not. It's the, always the city the, All of my woes come from between the Clifton and Sea Caucus area, and that's like a five-mile stretch of road. Yeah, I, we were telling when we saw Jared a couple weeks ago, and I told you when I was going to meet him up for his birthday... And where I was in traffic, it like my GPS said, oh, you're 1.6 miles away. But the time it said it was going to take me to get there was 45 minutes. Yep. I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? And you have to drive that every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so 12 tires in how long? Two years? A no, year? one year. One- <laughs> Literally a tire a month. <laughs> 
<laughs> Why? I don't know, dude. It's just it's I my want, fucking like, luck. You you need to just like get a tank, <laughs> just <laughs> just something that tires aren't gonna because tires are expensive, especially in your car. Yeah, well, I mean, they the good cheap. thing for me is that the tires are included in the warranty. Okay, they that's know. good. They that's actually really good. Then if they know it's like going to be a common thing, yeah. they should be including it. Um, I guess we're having a better week than Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> My week was okay. Uh, it's pretty hectic at work. I got a wedding this weekend. Um, I'm wedding, I'm weddinged out so much. <laughs> I got two in November. <laughs> so if you'd like done the math and how many weddings you've gone to, excluding your own mm-hmm. in the last, like, how about in the time that you've been with your wife? Yeah. Like since you've been dating, how many weddings have you guys gone to? If you had to put like a rough estimate on uh, it. These, the next two will add up to 10. Okay, so this one this weekend is going to be our 15th wedding Holy we've gone shit. to. <laughs> we got like two more in the next year. Um, I think I've been in five of these 15, and this one is going to be the sixth that I'm in. I'm just, I'm wedding out. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's a stop lot. Stop getting married, people. Yeah, stop getting married. Uh, just be sin- be celibate. Be an incel. Yeah, be uh, Colucci. <laughs> yeah, be Colucci. I got to yell at Colucci, but I'll get to that in a bit. Um, we got to give a special shout out uh, to people we lost this week. I'm not going to put them on the uh, better week than them because I actually like these people. Um, Sid Haig. Uh, who played oh, Captain yeah. Spaulding in uh, Rob Zombie's uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, and the newest Three from Hell. Uh, his last movie ended up being Three from Hell. Um, I actually recently went back and revisited both uh, House of a Thousand Corpses <coughs> and Devil's Rejects. I saw House of a Thousand Corpses in the theater when it came out. Like My brother took me and uh, our friend Jeremy to this little indie theater in Montclair to see it because it was such a small release movie. Yeah. And I remember when I was young thinking it was really cool, and then I watched it back like maybe 10 years ago, and I didn't like it nearly as much. And then I watched it again, I was like, all right, I kind of get what he was going for here. Yeah. There's something I appreciate, but Devil's Rejects is straight up a banger. I That's that a movie. legitimately great movie, and Captain Spaulding is definitely like that secret ingredient that makes it work because he's so funny. Yeah. Like that first you see him in Devil's Rejects when he's fucking the girl and he's just making the same noise. And he's like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, like, <laughs> over and over. Um, so we lost Sid Haig this week. Uh, we also lost the Cuban, Chef Carl Ruiz, who was loosely a friend of the show. We were actually um, in talks to kind of do something with him down the road. Um, you probably saw him on Food Network. He was on Diners, Drive-Ins all the time. Um, a good friend of Opie and Anthony, Jim and Sam, Opie Radio Podcast, um, at 44, having a heart attack, a well-known chef from Rockaway nonetheless uh really sucks uh so shout out and godspeed to both sid haig and chef carl ruiz all right why don't we get into uh, the reviews um because it's kind of a, a crash course one this week yeah since this is, literally this is all unfolded in the last 24 hours that josh was going to sit in for taylor um so i'll just go first since taylor's not here uh the album he gave me was boxcar racers only album their self-titled album uh, i think it came out back in like 2002 or so yeah around now there. I knew about Boxcar Racer. I, I knew about Boxcar Racer, um, and I didn't really remember if I had listened to this album when it came out because I think it came out around the time when I was starting to fall out of love with Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah. Because my Blink One Eighty Two fandom kind of ends at Enema of the State. There's stuff I like here and there, but the the sound of the band changed too much. They went from being you know a pop punk band to more of an emo band, and it kind of just didn't sit with me. So I went into this thinking I had listened to it, but not entirely sure. Um, And then I did listen to it, and I definitely remembered a majority of the songs, and this is a fucking awesome album. Uh, I'm not the biggest Tom DeLonge fan. I admittedly like Mark Hoppus more as far as Blink goes, but this really works for Tom. Wow, things are going crazy. Who's calling you? I don't know. (laughs) 
<laughs> the tax man. <laughs> Probably. Um, so a boxcar racer <laughs> should have picked it up. It's like, hi, you're on the air. <laughs> yeah, um, right. So boxcar racer self-titled album, having heard it a couple times uh, when I was really young. I had to be no more than 14, 15 when this came out. It's probably our age. Uh, it's a banger of an album. Uh, the main single on it and the only really radio song was the first uh, first song on the album, which is I Feel So, which was a really big hit. But no song on this album got less than a three. I had one five, which is my first punk song. And it's like the shortest song on the album. It's only like a minute and a half, but it sounds like a like a garage punk song. Like just a couple of you and your friends playing shitty power chords, someone doing double bass like they're actually a good drummer. I kind of <laughs> like that feel. Um, it's it's your basic emo album, emo pop punk album, I guess. Yeah. If Blink-182 had this this kind of sound from the beginning, I probably would like that whole era after Enema of the State a little more because this seemed like it fit everything more. When Blink-182 went to that emo thing, there were songs where they were trying to capture that pop punk music, but it was almost too emo for me personally. This, I thought, captured the spirit of what Tom actually wanted to do with Blink-182. And uh, so Feel So was a four, All Systems Go a three, Watch the World a four, Time any voice, voices of four. Oh, I had another one um, that was a five. That was Cat Like Thief. I was a five. And I a three. Letters to God a four. My first punk song a five. Sorrow a three. There is a three. The End With You a four. Elevator a four. And the final instrumental a four. Um, it's not overly complicated. It's a pretty simple cut and dry album, but it's a really, really easy listen. It's a really good listen. And it definitely brought back a lot of nostalgia, like when this this sound was everywhere and the kind of music we like. Um, so I really appreciated this album. I'm going to give Boxcar uh, Racers self-titled album a four out of five uh, a really good album added to my playlist as well so josh um you got a crash course again i did um, yep. in the movie i i brought up this movie last week i don't know if you got to listen to the episode you weren't on uh the reason i gave taylor uh you were never really here with joaquin phoenix is because the joker is just two weeks away yeah and i wanted to highlight uh a joaquin phoenix performance that kind of encompasses what i'm expecting why i think he's gonna obviously we all think he's gonna be great as joker but why i think specifically he's the right person for it to take that mantle that was left by heath ledger that jared leto kind of shit on yeah um and you were never really here was this to me this character study that he encompasses so well so why don't you tell me what you thought of it uh i'm gonna start out by saying uh sorry taylor but i'm glad that you got pneumonia this week because i wouldn't watch this movie otherwise um <laughs> are you really that sorry no nah, <laughs> nah. um but yeah so i'm glad that you're sick um anyway um yeah so i jumped into this movie with pretty high expectations as you know joaquin phoenix is one of my favorite actors sure. out there i've never seen a movie with the guy that i didn't like um and uh, you saw the village all right, all right, okay, all right. Go on. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, even he was good in that. So, uh, so, um, so I jumped in the movie with pretty high expectations. But you didn't really and, know much uh, about the I plot didn't, entirely. I didn't know much about it. Okay. I did a little bit of research before I sure. actually watched it. Um, you know, I saw it was kind of more of an indie, almost yeah. an art house yeah. kind of film, mm -hmm. which I actually like. I dig those kinds of movies. You know, big Correct. character studies. Yeah. And what I love the most about this movie is the minimalistic style. Absolutely. Uh, towards the violence in the movie. Yes. Uh, so if if you go through that main scene where he goes through the house, where uh, a little bit of backstory on the movie. So um, Joaquin Phoenix plays a guy named Joe, and uh, you know his backstory is a little cloudy. You don't know too much about it, but what you can take away from him is that he's a military federal uh, federal agent style 
uh, yeah, like ex Black Ops, Green Beret, um, kind of an ex Governor and Navy SEAL. <laughs> so what he does now is um, he gets hired and he tracks down victims of sex trafficking. Yes, girls, uh, girls usually. Yeah. It seems like mainly they imply girls that are kidnapped and sold into human trafficking, sex trafficking rings. Uh, so there's one Some main Jeffrey team. He gets, shit. he gets hired by a candidate for Governor of New York uh, to find his daughter who's been kidnapped and abducted into one of these uh, child sex rings. Yeah, uh, and he finds he tracks down the house. Uh, and he goes through the house with a hammer, and the hammer is his weapon of choice. Very Punisher-esque scene. Yeah. Um, but the way that the, this scene was shot is it was shot almost entirely through the point of view of the surveillance cameras. So you could see him creeping through the hallways. You could see him attacking the guards, but you didn't actually see how gritty and violent yeah. it was up close because you're beating somebody to death with a hammer. Correct. It's going to be a, a, oh, of course, a little it's bit gonna be of a brutal. Yeah, scene. yeah, for sure. Uh, so I really like the way that they, that they shot those scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and another call out that I have later on in the movie, um, you know, once everything breaks down, he founds out, finds out that he's been set up. Uh, he's trying to retrace the steps uh, and find who did this to him. Yeah. Uh, he makes his way back to his mother's house to find his mother dead in her bedroom. Yep. Shot through the eye. Uh, and he finds the uh, assassins downstairs. He kills the one guy. And then lets the other guy bleed out while asking who killed his mother. Yeah. And then after this is a beautifully shot scene uh, where he takes his mother's uh, body to a lake. Uh, yep. he, he fills his pockets up with rocks, takes his mother's body into the lake, lets the body fall to the bottom, and prepares to let himself drown. And then he has an epiphany of sorts. Yep. And he realizes that his he, he's got unfinished business. You know, yeah, when, he's got a yeah. It's literally like the Punisher, where he's yeah. like, "Should I just die now? I got nothing else." And then and, something uh, else triggers you him. Know, the, the following thirty minutes after that is, you know, goes through pretty quick. He finds the uh, the current governor who is he ties uh, up all the loose ends. He ties up all the loose ends. Uh, he finds the girl. Correct. Uh, and that ending scene was pretty powerful too. Yeah. Man. Yeah. You know, and he again, he was so good. the The thing that Joaquin Phoenix, I think, is a master of compared to almost any other actor out there is telling his character's story uh, via body language. The little kind of quirks he has, and you see when his character is confident, when his character is downtrodden. And to take a story like this, which really is, at its core, a simplistic story, the the cloudy backstory you don't really know, it doesn't give away too much because it doesn't have to. Mm -hmm. And it it, it touches into things like PTSD and everything, but... The fact that Joaquin Phoenix is able to deliver a powerful movie with a simplistic storyline says everything you need to say about him. Mm-hmm. And this, to me, last year was one of the most underrated movies that came out because it didn't really get a lot of press. It was this small little indie film, which is why it's such a big deal. He's taken a character like the Joker. He mostly does like these smaller indie things yeah. now. And for me, I put that in my top ten of movies last year. I believe it, I think it was in my top ten. It might have been right outside if it wasn't. Um, I, I to me, it was like a, at least a nine out of ten. If you're grading on Taylor's scale of ten, uh, one to ten, so what would you give it? Uh, yeah, I'd, if I'm grading on Taylor's scale, I'll give it a nine out of ten. Cool, very cool. Now, did he text you an album for me this week? So I texted him yesterday, okay. and because uh, you know you told him to text me what his album sure. was gonna be, so I'm like, man, it's been like almost a full 24 hours since this dude was supposed to yeah. give me an album. Let me reach out to him, make sure he's not dead. You okay. go, hey, uh, you have an album for Dan this was week? Was he dead? No, he wasn't Damn dead. It. Okay, he goes. <laughs> I'm so out of it. Just pick one. Okay, then you pick. So, uh, so I make him listen to it too if he hasn't already. Um, he probably has. So, uh, I wanted to make this one count. Sure. So I thought of a bunch of different albums that you may not have uh, listened to before. So uh, I couldn't really narrow it down to one. So I'm going to give you your pick of four different genres. Okay. Uh, so you got prog rock. Okay. Prog metal. Okay. Indie rock, and emo. Give me uh, emo. Okay, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you blue sky noise. 
by Blue. Circus Survive. Blue Sky Noise, Circus Survive. Cool. Um, yeah, I like Circus Survive. What I've heard, I don't go deep with them, but you know, that, when you make like playlists on Apple Music, yeah. they come up a lot, and they're one that I never skip over. Yeah. Um, so when did this album come out? Um, I believe around 2011, 2012. Okay. Um, are there any songs on this album specifically you want to highlight? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to highlight Get Out. It's an amazing song. There's a lot of good songs on this record. It's my favorite record by them. Um, but I'm going to highlight specifically Get Out because it's a banger. Okay, very cool. Very cool. I'm excited to listen to it. I know Taylor's a big Circus Survive fan as well, so that's actually a good pick, and I'm confident he's listened to it several times over. All right, so Taylor, um, I know you're going to be listening to this, uh, and you know by the time we record our next episode next week, episode 71, we will be in October. And what holiday falls in October, Josh? The World Series? What what a uh, trick or treating holiday! Yom Kippur. <laughs> Yom Kippur. They do wear costumes. <laughs> yeah, ring the bell. Ring the bell. Um, obviously Halloween. Um, so obviously during the October, I'm going to be giving you nothing but horror movies. So what I want to do with this horror movie is it's one that just came out available this week to stream, um, and that would be one Midsummer Ooh. from Ari Aster. Um, so. I, Josh, you and I saw Midsummer in the theater. Um, it was a, an experience, to it say sure the least. Uh, so I got a, a copy of it two nights ago, the original cut that I watched, and I, I liked it more upon a second viewing because there were so many little things I picked up on, like significant things in it that are just right in your face. But if you're not, if you're like just watching the movie for the first time, you're not looking for anything. Yeah. And then last night, I wanted to watch the director's cut, and I couldn't find a copy to download. So being, you know, that I always like spending money on things, I just bought it. I bought the director's cut and watched that, um, which I'm pretty sure is what Taylor will end up watching because uh, that's what's on Apple Music, I believe, or on iTunes, is the director's cut. And the director's cut added a little bit more layer to the movie. It specifically added to the dynamic uh, of the relationship between the main character, Danny, and her boyfriend, uh, Christian. Now, what I can say about Midsummer, and we talked about it when it, after we saw it um, and it, it was evident even more upon a multiple viewing is that this is entirely a breakup movie and just like Hereditary was a movie about the stages of grief um, Ari Aster uses these uh, demonic occult type things to tell us a very basic human story from losing a family member to an, a relationship deteriorating and ending and uh, again what I've said about Midsummer several times is it might be the most visually arresting film I've ever seen because these horrific things are happening in the movie like it is a at its core, what's happening is horrifying. You're in a strange place. Strange things are happening. People are disappearing. It, it's it's scary. But the way it's filmed and it's so bright, it looks like you're in Wonka's Chocolate Factory. It's inviting. So this, this sense of dread is going on, but the setting is so calming and welcoming. And it, it's obviously a long movie. And, you know, you kind of, it's very, very fucking weird. It's really weird. But there were so many things upon a, a multiple viewings that I picked up on that might have even pushed it over the top for Hereditary for me. They are two completely different movies. For me, it's like kind of like Get Out and Us. I don't like comparing them. The only thing they really have in common is, you know, it, in, the, in this case with Midsummer and Hereditary is tragedy and it's horror, I guess. But they're two completely different kinds of stories yep. and the way they're told. So, Taylor, the pick this week is Midsummer. I'm really excited to talk about about it. I hope you watch the director's cut soon because gonna. there's going to be some things in there you'd be like, oh, shit. The, um, I would still like to see, because Ari Aster said his original cut of it was four hours long. Holy shit. <laughs> I would be down. I would watch it. Split it into like two parts, like two two-hour movies because there were so many little things that didn't really go explain, which I'm fine with. You don't need it, but I like it enough that I want to know. Yeah. 
Okay, so why don't we get into some fun stuff from this week? Josh, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Is there anything worse in the world than when you pick up a chocolate chip cookie, right? Yeah. You take a bite out of it. Uh-huh. And as you take a bite and chew, you realize it's an oatmeal raisin cookie. I like oatmeal raisin better. I, I do too, but okay. it's the idea. Okay. It's the idea of that you thought you were going to have something else. So you ever do that? Like you think you have a drink, right? You think it's soda and you drink it and it's fucking milk and it shocks your system at first. What? When would you ever drink soda and find out that it's milk? I don't know. It's just a hypothetical here. Ride with me. Okay, fair enough. So you like oatmeal raisin more than chocolate chip. I do. That's weird. I, I like an oatmeal raisin, but like for me, it's like cookies and milk. An oatmeal raisin and milk doesn't go the same way. It's like chocolate sure chip it cookies. Does. And no, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No, because the tech, the oatmeal is different. It crumbles differently in the milk than a chocolate chip would. It absolutely would. Well, I, the only kind of uh, cookie I actually dip is in Oreos. Milk is Oreos. See, I like almost any cookie. In I milk. like to eat. Bite the cookie and then drink the milk while the but, cookie is still in my okay, mouth. Okay, that's fair. But do you get the idea what I'm saying? Is like, say you like thought, thought it was a beer in the glass, so you drink it and it's not a beer. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, everyone's had that where they think it's Pepsi and they drink Sprite. They're like, oh shit, yeah. or it's water. There's something arrest, not arrested. I'm still on Midsummer. There's something that's shocking to the system when you think you're going to have something and you put it in your mouth and it's something else. You think you're having a hot dog and it's a cock. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> what can you do? That story wasn't going anywhere, by the way, or that hypothetical. Um, so El Camino trailer, we got, a, um, we got two this week, technically. The first one was more of a teaser where yeah. they play the radio call and then we finally got a full one that showed footage. Um, I am going through a rewatch of Breaking Bad right now. Yeah. Um, I'm just about halfway through season three. Uh, yeah, season three. Cause Hank just got shot. Uh, Ted got fucked. That's <laughs> one of the funny I fucked Ted. The episode is literally called IFT. It's so funny. And Breaking Bad, it's a lot like The Sopranos for me, where I forget how much I love it until I'm watching it again. Yeah. And the thing that Breaking Bad does so well is build these little like universes, which obviously now you're seeing with Better Call Saul. So what I'm interested now is if you have any like theories or ideas of what's going to happen in El Camino, because the trailer did such a good job of showing you enough that you're like, who was that? What was that? What's he doing? Without giving you a single shred of what's happening. You know, the, uh, the way that I look at it is whoever he's talking to at the end there, we, sure. we know three things. We know we know it's not Mike. Yeah. We know it's not Saul. Mm-hmm. And I think we I, could know it, it's could not. It, could it in theory be Saul, though? Because I know he technically disappeared, but we never actually saw him leave on the spot. We yeah. just know on Better Call Saul that he's gone, but there could be a time lapse so, there, correct? Did he... Now, I rewatched the last couple of episodes today. Sure. Um, and when uh, when the guy grabs, takes Walt and says, okay, we're going, and Walt yep. says, well, he's coming with me, I, that leads me to believe that he got Walt out before he got Saul out, correct? I would think so, yeah. I, so, that sounds logical. You know, he has to take Walt and bring him Oh, but wait, no, there's, because there's a time jump. So that yeah, there, no, no, there's a time jump. I don't know. There's something depending on what the time jump is, and we don't. Re- I mean, Better Call Saul is not. You know, they show the flash forwards of what he's doing now. We don't know, but it also is implied that he's like getting sick of the life, and he's kind of thinking of going back. So we don't know where the time jump is in Better Call Saul compared to um, where this movie's going to take place. Yeah. So hypothetically, he's alive. He's in play. Yeah, you would have to say he's in play, and the fact that he is constantly filming in the same spots as Breaking Bad was it's not illogical to think that he could have shown up on set and uh, while we say that you know who's he talking to I well the actor that plays Mike Armentrout confirmed he is going to be in the movie but I'm assuming it's a flashback or a dream sequence I'm going to assume Walt is going to have some type of appearance in some way and there is a theory floating around that the song that's playing in the newest trailer is called Walter Black Mm mm-hmm 
what is, if you remove the L from black, and then the theory is that Walter was actually in witness protection. He didn't actually die. So they're, they're, I think they're doing this intentionally. Like, you know that Star Wars trailers always do misdirection? Yeah. Like, so in the first teaser that came, the most recent teaser that came out where he's in the car and you hear the radio, they say nine people killed. There were eight gang members and ninth person would be Walt. Mm-hmm. So everyone's like, Walt is confirmed dead. But then people realize the song. And Vince Gillian, the songs he puts in his shows generally always have some kind of meaning. Um, the final song, Baby Blue, if you look at the lyrics to that, on the final episode of the show, The Last Shot, that makes all sense for Heisenberg's story. Mm-hmm. So I really don't know. Now, they did say that 10 characters from the from Breaking Bad will be appearing in this. We already know about uh, Badger and Skinny P. I'm so happy to see Badger back. I would pay for a Badger spinoff series <laughs> just to see what he's doing. Um, I was trying to think who else could be in play. Uh, I would think Marie, Hank's wife, yeah. could probably be in play. If she finds out that Jesse Pinkman got away, sees him on screen, they show her. He's she. He was involved with Hank getting killed. Um, there was the one shot in the trailer that they showed Jesse's like edge of his car and it looked like there was blonde hair sticking out. Did he kill Skyler? <laughs> Please kill Skyler. <laughs> she fucked Ted. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I, I, watching it back. I'm, now I'm seeing there's so many people that could be in it. And even in the trailer, they showed the guy that owns the junkyard, the guy that helped them crush the RV. Um, I, I don't know. I'm I'm really really I'm really excited because it, it's you know I, it made sense at the time. Like I thought Jesse's ending was perfect. Like he finally made his own decision. He told Walt to just die. He wouldn't do it for him or anything. But then you think about it. His fingerprints are all over that place. Yeah. Nine people are dead. It didn't end well for him. No. So now that we're actually going to get it, I'm really excited, man. And we're going to do a ranking of our... I've already wrote down my ten top ten Breaking Bad episodes because I've done this in my head already. Yeah. Like, I know what my definitive number one is, and it's almost everyone's number one. Yeah. I'm pretty sure yours is the same one. It, mm-hmm. It's Honestly, it, it's probably the best episode of television ever. Um, but there's some random ones in there that are, like, high on my list. And what's crazy is... Like when I did my my Sopranos rankings, I had episodes from season two, from season one, and this one when I did my top ten, almost all of them are from like the last three seasons. And it's not a, anything against the early seasons of Breaking Bad; they're fantastic. Yeah, they're. Fa- I would argue. I, I do think the first season of Breaking Bad is better than the first season of The Sopranos, but you didn't get this truly captivating cinematic television mm-hmm. until about halfway through season two. I will tell you that my, my top three episodes are the last three episodes in no particular order. I'll go over that. Yeah. When, uh... I, I, I can't argue with that. Yeah. Um, I know one of the ones on my top 10 is probably the most divisive episode of the series, which everyone kind of, I gets already, and I, yeah, I, and I, I love that episode. I know you do. I uh, hate it. I love that episode. Um, but I mean, it's, it's crazy, man, that they did this so quickly. Like we heard it might be a rumor and then all of a sudden, Oh, it's coming out in October. Yeah, and they've done such a good job keeping everything under wraps. And if they really knock out of the park with this, it's. I think it, it. It even though it's not part of the series Breaking Bad, I think it elevates Breaking Bad even more if they do a good job with it. Mm-hmm. Because it, I don't. I don't compare it to what they're doing with the Sopranos prequel movie. I don't think that's fair because the time jump from the end of the Sopranos to this movie is so far. And then this one is really taking place realistically right at the end of the show, while the Sopranos movie is taking place decades before The Sopranos yeah. started. So eventually you, you'd be able to just end the final episode of Breaking Bad and go right into Jesse's story with this. So we're just uh, three we- two, two and a half weeks out from that. October 11th is the yep. date. That's I'm super excited. I'll stay up till the second it drops and watch it right away. I did the same thing with the Deadwood movie, which I'd be fine with putting the Deadwood movie in that same car- category that we did. I just said with the Breaking Bad movie because it literally tied off the story from where the show ended. Yep. So that's totally fair. Um, <laughs> did you see this? 
this Price is Right contestant earlier this week. Oh, the one in the wheelchair. <laughs> so this woman on the Price is Right comes up. She won the showcase showdown. Um, you know, they do, uh, roll on down. You're the next contestant on the Price is Right. So she wins the showcase showdown. She goes up and then it's like whatever that pri- that game is where it's like three prizes that you can choose from. And you have to, whatever price you guess the, uh, the closest on, you win that prize, something like that. Well, old Roller Pig ended up winning the wheel, the, 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 the treadmill. <laughs> okay. Do you think, like, when when that happened, when she they came up, do you think the producers in the back were like, oh, shit, get us, like, a fucking uh, bottle of water or something. Let her bid on that. We can't put up a treadmill for this bitch. What is she going to do with that? Pay taxes on it and then never use it. It's going to be a very heavy doorstop. Yeah. Um, all right, so the... I don't know, man. Like you gotta, you gotta be prepared for all kinds of situations yeah. in this day and age. I mean, do, have you? Did you also do the same thing? If you ever stayed home from school and you're like, you always watch The Price Is Right, right? Yeah. Did, have you ever thought about what you would do if you got up there to the the thing where you're bidding, right? Mm-hmm. Would you be that cocksucker that goes a dollar or one dollar over what the highest bid was? Because <laughs> that would be me. Yeah, <laughs> I'd actually be like, when someone says one dollar, be the next one two. <laughs> I want to be that <laughs> asshole. It's it's funny because like. You get some weird people on the price right. Like fucking Jesse Pinkman was on the prices right back in the day. There was Kiss on it once. It's a fucking weird show. And I look at Drew Carey and like I want my Drew Carey to be fat. Yeah. I don't want this skinny lesbian looking Drew Carey. I want the Drew Carey that got eliminated from the Royal Rumble by Kane. That's dude. The- I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Kane on Raw last week? Yeah, that was cool. I actually well, I'm digging the Fiend in general. What they're doing with that. I don't know if they've had a character program that has worked as consistently as this one has in its early stages and obviously it's making a fuck ton of money that vignette they did a couple weeks ago with Vince eating the Vince puppet eating money yeah. I was like dude the, first off the Firefly Funhouse has been hilarious since the beginning like mentioning Husky Harris and shit yeah. uh, it's it's creative which means they're probably gonna fuck it up realistically 100%. like I have no faith in Vince like I will say the shows have been much much better recently over the last three four weeks I I was like you where I was a little skeptical of the King of the Ring but I think they did I'm actually coming around on Baron Corbin believe it or not yeah he's I, I've been the biggest Baron Corber, Corbin detractor since the beginning have I not you have and his matches recent his matches for a while even more than recently have been more than solid they've been mm-hmm. consistently pretty good I've always been a fan of his moveset I like his what he power does in the moveset ring. is great yeah but I just don't like him I like this King Corbin angle because he might be smug enough to make it work and those these matches with Chad Gable are sensational because yeah. Chad Gable's great he and it's he doesn't have the look really but he can fucking go mm-hmm. and he's able to go with guys the size of Baron Corbin despite being his size it's really impressive which means they're probably going to fuck it up yeah. but it's exciting it's an exciting time to be a wrestling fan I'm holding on to the slim slim hope that AEW ignites them to take more risks they are kind of going that way they're doing this weird Maria Canellis thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But there's a sense to it where I'm like, I kind of like it because it has no sense. It's edgy and stupid. Yeah. Like, Mae Young gave birth to a fucking hand. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Dude, I was just thinking about... <laughs> We are not less than two years removed from Kurt Angle revealing he has a black son. Yeah. <laughs> Who Whose idea was that? That had to be Vince, right? Yeah, 100% had to be Vince. <laughs> like, everyone was expecting, like, oh, if it's going to be any of American Alpha, it's Chad Gable. <laughs> they, they, they should have just rolled out friggin', uh, what's his name? You know, like, there are some things that Vince does that are such bad ideas that literally God intervenes. 
the uh, yeah, true. Ah, uh, the, the limo uh, explosion. The, the limo explosion. Chris Benoit kills his family. Uh, Katie Vick. <laughs> Uh, Kurt Angle has a black son. Jason Jordan gets a career ending injury. Dude, what would have happened if he actually allowed it to go through the incest angle that he proposed? Oh, I don't know, dude. I kind of wish they did it just so we could look back on it. I, I don't know. I, I There is definitely something there where God's like, you know what, Vince? I've given you a lot. Yeah. Jason Jordan, give me your neck. Like, something's yeah. got to give here. I felt terrible for that kid, but he was in a no-win position the second he was announced as Kurt Angle's black son. <laughs> like, there was no world in, in which he would ever bounce back from that. You can't. Like, you don't come back from that. No. <laughs> and there's certain things in, w, in wrestling in general, when you go a certain direction, you can derail it very, very quickly. Um, okay, this is actually something that might pertain to you. I'd like to know your thoughts on this. Okay. Have you seen this um, this PSA commercial about school shootings that's been making the rounds? Yeah. Okay, so I had a couple thoughts on it. Um, I, I saw it, and I was like, wow, that it, 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 I, it was disturbing. It was as fucked up as any horror movie I've seen. Yeah. Now, of course, what that turned into on social media was, oh, it's about taking guns away. Oh, it's about uh, this, this, and that. And to me, I took it as... Something that was showing something that is happening way too often in our country, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. So the argument that people that didn't like the commercial have is that it's sensationalizing it. Would you think it's sensationalizing it? Or is it something... To me, I didn't think it was sensational because it just reminded me that this is something that students and teachers, no matter what you do, it's on your mind. And it's honestly in any public situation at this point that you have to be aware and have an exit strategy. But do you look at it as sensationalism? Mm. No. Okay. No, no. I have really. a comparison for sensationalism purposes. Okay. Um, there's, uh, first off, I'm going to show you, t- t- tell you about another commercial. It was a couple years ago. You definitely probably saw this one where it was like kids talking about what they're going to do this summer, or what they're going to do at the end of the year. And the whole time they show each kid talking about, it. there's a kid in the back doing something weird, like suspicious. Mm-hmm. And then the last shot is him walking into the auditorium with a gun or whatever. Yeah. And to me, that was look for the warning signs. It wasn't an anti-gun thing. It was, we always hear about after these shootings, all the signs were there, all the signs were there. I didn't think that was sensationalism. But you know what is sensationalism, Josh? What's that? A fashion company decided to release some hoodies that say Virginia Tech, Columbine, Sandy Hook with bullet holes in them. Well, we're just making people aware that is sensationalism, my friend, for profit nonetheless. Yeah. Like, first off, who wants to wear a hoodie that has holes in it? Isn't the point of a hoodie to keep you a little more insulated? Yeah. (laughs) Second off... I wouldn't feel comfortable, even without bullet holes being in it, wearing a Columbine or Sandy Hook shirt. Unless it was like, you know, you did a fundraiser for it. It was like Survivors of Sandy Hook, something like that. Sure. But unfortunately, because of those terrible events, they those schools have different meanings. Columbine will always be associated with one thing. Sandy Hook's always going to be associated. Parkland, always one thing. And obviously, I, I don't think it's sensationalism. If you view it as something that's supposed to be take guns away, that's your own beliefs playing into what you're seeing on screen it's just like if you're homophobic and you see something that's gay in a movie oh fucking fucking gay (laughs) no you could present things that are very real in life without them being trying to push an agenda and to me all this was was showing that this is something that is happening in our world and there's a conversation to be had what that conversation is is not for you or i to say i think there's a validity to almost everything besides don't do anything and take them all away those are the only conversations I don't want to have. Yeah. Don't do anything and then just take all guns away. I don't want to hear people saying everything's fine, and I don't want to hear Beto O'Rourke talk ever. Oh, God. I, I have a great picture of uh, it's it's Trump at the, the border wall, whatever you want to call it, some of the fencing, and... <laughs> He's he's he signed it. He signed it, Donald J. Trump. But someone photoshopped just says Beto is gay. <laughs> <laughs> See, 
So I want to. So I'm going to put a disclaimer before I tell this story. Sure. I am not watching this seriously. Okay. I'm watching this strictly for comedic value. Okay, fine. I get that. Um, sure. We've been doing this thing for the last week. Who's where, we? You and the wife? Yeah. Okay. Uh, before bed, we will watch 20 minutes of the Alex Jones show. Hell yeah. Oh, okay. Dude. Yeah. I, I don't watch it seriously either. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is out of his fucking gourd, dude. Of course dude. He is. He's fantastic. I've, so like, I've always known about Alex Jones, but yeah, I've sure. never actually watched his content oh, before. Oh, you're not a subscriber to InfoWars? No. Oh. Well, I mean, you can't be anymore because it's banned. True. Uh, but his whole show is he gives you a little bit of disinformation and then he hawks his products. Yeah, dude. You ever see that meme of him where he talks about that uh, male vitality product mm-hmm. that he used to... Uh, pro- <laughs> so it was Alex Jones before male vitality. He's got like no shirt on mm-hmm. and after. And in the one after, he's just red. Yeah. It was exactly the same. So, uh, he was talking, I, lo- I love Alex personally. He was, he was talking about um, he was talking about the Beto O'Rourke thing. Yeah, sure. Um, and he was like, ah. Oh. Uh, the Democrats they want to come here. They want to take your guns. They want to. Uh, they want to disarm us. They want to turn us. Seventeen seventy six will commence again. Seventeen seventy six will commence again. And not to not to mention, this is a great time to go to infowarsstore.com. You can buy yeah, the new Beto Knot shirt. Great. You got to see the great shirt there. It says Beto Knot. Get it, Beto O'Rourke. Underneath, got a little picture of an AR fifteen. <laughs> got a really good price on this shirt, thirty four ninety five. I ordered about uh, twenty thousand of them. Brought them down fifty five dollars. Brought them down for fifty five dollars, thirty four ninety five. So that's a great price. You want to get in there? Get it at infowarsstore.com. So yeah. Eventually, just like I gotta buy this. <laughs> yeah. Bought a Roger Stone. I did buy a Roger Stone. See, the thing with Jones that I like is the reason I'm a supporter of Alex Jones, and I won't say I'm the, I, a supporter may not be the right word, but I was a subscriber to Infowars because I look at his quality entertainment. But people don't like admitting the things he has gotten right, yeah, because he throws so much shit at the wall. <laughs> and every now and then, something the odds are, well, the odds are something's gonna be right. Yeah, it's just the fact of the matter. But I don't like when even when he's right, people are like, well, he said it, so it can't be true. But no one can tell me he isn't an incredible entertainer. Yeah. He is a song and dance man. He's Andy Kaufman. He has a video of him and his son at the shooting range, and I've he's seen. speaking in a Chinese accent the whole time. Was he Shane Gillis, <laughs> the yeah. SNL guy? Yeah, like it was. I, 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 some of my favorite clips ever, dude, is Alex Jones went on Piers Morgan's show once. Oh, God. Uh, Al- Piers, I have the documents. <laughs> it's one of his favorite lines. <laughs> I, I will say, he's the one that... um. He uh, brought the whole Chris Kyle, Jesse Ventura thing to the spotlight, and he helped prove that Chris Kyle was making up a lot of uh, mostly the stuff about Jesse Ventura. So, again, he, he's at least brought some conversation. I mean, some of the stuff he says is ridiculous, making the frogs gay. How about frogs are just fucking gay? Like, how, how long have people been watching frogs to figure out that all of a sudden they were having gay sex? Yeah. Like, who were studying? I mean, obviously, there's scientists out there that are studying the sex patterns of any animal, but who was Alex Jones going out there to be like, I'm watching these frogs for 15 years and uh they started butt fucking like <laughs> come on alex you silly goose um okay so going back to sensationalism um i don't think this is a political conversation but it is something that's dominating social media right now and that's that uh that climate change girl i'm not going to say her name because she's a kid and i don't think it's cool to uh, what they're doing um i'm not arguing against anything she said i'm not arguing for it either i'm arguing against the idea of a child being used as a prop and I, it, the reason I say that is because what it's evolved into now is on the news networks that are adamantly there's no climate change. 
are calling her children of the corn and they're calling her mentally ill. The kid has Asperger syndrome. She's autistic. Yep. And I don't understand where the parenting is that didn't see that their kid... That, that was a professionally written speech for a 16-year-old. Yeah. And that this child is being used as a prop because human instinct is to listen to the needs of a child more than the needs of an adult, correct? And... What I, I got into an argument with a friend of ours on Twitter about this, and I said, no one that watched her speech was swayed yes or no on either side of it. They went into it with one mindset, and they came out of it, just like the Mueller report, just like every other thing. None of these things change everything. The people that believe in climate change heard it like, yeah, girl, you tell them. And the people that were against it said, no, she's full of shit. It's not making anything up. But how did not people realize that this girl's life, she's now a meme for the rest of of her life. She got trolled already by the president on Twitter. She's a 16-year-old <laughs> autistic girl. I, I have a big problem with that. Like, I, I wouldn't put my kid in a position unless they showed significant academic achievement to write things on their own, but I have a hard time believing that there isn't someone professionally writing back for them, whether it's a media member, politicians, whatever. And I also don't give a shit about what anyone from Sweden has to say about America's hand in things, more than anything else, when we're, we aren't the main problem with this issue, quote-unquote issue. Again, I'm not giving anyone my side of things, because it's irrelevant. The point of this story here is that, to me, this is bordering on child abuse, because this girl's life, she'll never be able to live a normal life in, tw- in today's world with the internet out there it's ridiculous i mean it's the david hogg thing he's a fucking hog but it's the same idea they're fucking kids yeah let them have their voice on their own social media platforms you brought this girl in front of the un for what reason to do what or was it even the un or was it just the climate summit somewhere it was the un climate it was summit. the un yeah. climate climate summit i just i, I don't want to hear what any kid has to say about anything politically socially i'm sorry it's mm-hmm. a fucking kid they're not learned enough to know these things. They're not a learned doctor. <laughs> I don't know. What did you think about the, all that stuff making the the headway? Um, I agree with you. You know, it's uh, listening to everything that she said, she didn't, um, you know, she didn't support her words with facts. She Correct. just came out and she said a bunch of stuff. That's the way that, <coughs> well, that I Well, she said the bullet points that the, the people that are very pro on her side always highlight. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't think I need to sit here and tell you how I feel to because that is not the conversation we're having. Yeah. Um, but... You know, regardless of all that, you know, you parade this 16-year-old girl out there, you give her some talking points, you know, she puts on a show, and all it does is it it heats up the debate that has already been going on. Correct. You have two sides that are staunch in their beliefs that will not change. Dude, no one, it's just like the gun issue. People are set in their ways and they don't want to have any type of sway either way, which I think it's ridiculous not to have sway on a conversation that you can't be turned a little bit on it about such an such an issue that seems to uh everyone has an opinion on one way or the other that either side won't like listen that if, if you're pro, if you you believe climate change is very real that you won't say that maybe the science is a little dodgy because there's been articles since 1989 that said the the polarized caps are going to melt in 2000 and so on and so forth that maybe the science isn't exact and if you're adamantly against it that you can acknowledge that yes humans can affect the way the climate is, is changing rapidly or not rapidly but again Again, it's it didn't change anything. So why did a child need to go up there and put herself out there from now that she's a a, a fucking uh, a puppet? She's absolutely a, a pawn in this fucking game. Yeah. Would you ever use one of, uh, a kid for something like that? No. No. I use my kid to fucking do my laundry and clean and <laughs> that's I mean people heard my parenting advice last week. People are really mad at me about that. Why? 
because I said don't. We are a comedy show, people. I I know, and like I people were like commenting on it, and like they're saying, well, like um, they're making all these comments, and I'm literally posting gifs of Andy Kaufman. Like, don't you get like yeah. I'm just an asshole, and the whole idea that someone that is not a parent could give parenting advice, you should have just fucking understood it was comedy from the beginning. You stupid ass. People got mad that I said. Uh, it, you always listen to dad. Uh, if mom, if you're, it's a daughter, you listen to mom unless dad is talking because then mom knows not to speak. It's a joke. I said no liberals as a rule and no dating liberals as a rule. Like actually, those ones are pretty real. Um, but but like people got like I got I got messages. I got uh, tons of comments on. It. I'm like, dude, relax. Like I posted a picture of a crying baby. You don't get that it's a fucking joke. Like. Oh, dude, you've known me for how long now? You've known me for 24 years? We'll Something say, like that. 24 years? And people still haven't learned to not take me seriously? Like, you I, you learned. Like, I sent you some weird text last night, pictures. You just didn't reply. You did just, you? Yeah, I sent you a, a picture of an alien smoking a marb. Oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> and then the mid, uh, the midsummer uh, uh, sister. Yeah. <laughs> I like the alien smoking the marb. But you learned. Like, when I was texting you random questions every couple days, uh, do you like Brussels sprouts? Yeah. Once I sent you to the dentist. You just know eventually... You just gotta cut me off. Mm-hmm. How do the people not get it? You don't feed the troll. Yeah, like I'm a professional troll. This is what I do. It's it's <laughs> these are facts, people. Um. Okay. So let's see what else. Uh, we got Batman casting news this week. Uh yeah, we did. I'm actually pretty excited. Yeah, about Yeah. The that. first one was uh, who's playing Alfred, and that would be um. What's his name? Uh, Jeffrey Wright is his name from uh, Westworld. No, no, no. He's oh, playing Commissioner Gordon. Commissioner. Oh, it's Gordon. Who's he? Uh. So what's his name? It's something Wright. Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright. Okay. Yes, it's Gordon. Excuse me. Uh. Good casting. I was happy to see that. People weren't going. Oh well, he's oh, he's a black guy. I think we're I think we're past that at this I point. I hope. I mean, I get it when it's like a character that involves race. Like last week, Taylor and I talked about how they're talking about casting a black Magneto, and I'm like, Magneto's a Holocaust survivor. Yeah. Like, and, I, and then I had a conversation like, do you change the character up that he was a, a slavery survivor, a civil rights survivor kind of thing? And even then, I'm like, that you're messing with the the origins of a character. Yeah. Well, Commissioner Gordon, does it really matter? And I'm pretty sure in the comics, Commissioner Gordon's been black in at least one of the iterations of Batman at Might some point. It has to be. I mean, there's a million officers, Batman Ninja, for Christ's sake. <laughs> um, and then the other casting news is that Jonah Hill is being finalized to play a Batman villain. Uh, Confirm Batman villain. Yeah, I think the obvious one is Penguin. You yeah, would that's, assume, that's what they. That's what you would assume. But you I would assume Penguin. I heard rumors about way. Riddler. Could be. Um, to me, I I I love the Jonah Hill's a fantastic actor. He could play anything. He's a little short for Riddler, and Robert Pattinson's like six one, six two. So the, the optic might be weird. Yeah. Uh, one that I was thinking of that it, it's a little ambitious and it would require some pretty good special effects would be Clayface. Okay. Could Jonah Hill play that? Uh, but then you're kind of a, a m- diminishing his acting ability because it's all CGI. Yeah. Unless you go full motion capture. And the the guy that's doing the new Batman movie is the same guy that did the recent Planet of the Apes trilogy. Obviously, those movies were so well done that the apes felt real despite it being motion capture. So it can be done. Yeah. Um, do you think there's any other villains that you could see Jonah Hill playing or one that you would like to see him play? A Mr. Freeze? No, <laughs> there's only one Mr. Freeze. Only one, what killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. <laughs> um, no, you know, I think that I'm pretty, I'm pretty set in the fact that I think it's gonna be the penguin. Yeah, it's just it's, but the, the reason, like, I'm, I'm, I don't know, is because it's so obvious. Yeah, yeah. But like, I feel like you, but that means it has to be because you don't cast someone that looks like they could play a part unless it's for them to play a part. Like if I, if Crispin, my pick for Riddler has always been Crispin Glover. He would be the perfect Riddler. He's got the look. He's weird. Yep. Um, 
Um, Jonah Hill doesn't have that look. Doesn't no. mean it can't be pulled off, but he doesn't have that look. Um, but you already you just knocked it out with two actors to play these major supporting roles in Commissioner Gordon and whoever the villain is. And uh, I think it's cool Jonah Hill stepping into this world too because he's been doing his own little thing, a lot of indie stuff and comedies, obviously. Um, I'm pretty confident in this Batman movie. Um, you know, there's some questions about Robert Pattinson, but if you've seen some of his other movies recently, like Good Time, he's an awesome actor. Yeah. Does he have the charisma to be Bruce Wayne? That's the challenge. And it also depends on the type of Batman movie you're making. And I was talking to my buddy Jeff about this. Uh, like the original Batman series of Michael Keaton, that was like a Batman movie, Batman series, right? Yeah. The ones with Christian uh, uh, Bale were like Bruce Wayne movies. They mm-hmm. were more about the, the story of Bruce Wayne, right? What's this one going to be? Because if it's a Batman movie, yeah, Pattinson has the charisma for that, no problem. If it's a Bruce Wayne movie, I do have some questions. Yeah. But Good Time, he was great in. I'm really, really excited to see The Lighthouse with him and Willem Dafoe, directed by the same guy that did The Witch. So it'll be interesting. Um, but historically, Batman casting has almost always gotten shit on when it got announced. Michael Keaton got shit on. Christian Bale got shit on, which is unbelievable. If you saw American Psycho, like you should know, Mm -hmm. yeah, he's good. Mm -hmm. Like, he's good. Um, We got a fight announcement this week as well. Uh, Daniel Cormier will be fighting Stipe Miocic um, in the third fight of their trilogy, and he announced that I thought you were going to talk about Dustin Diamond and... uh... Uh, I will get to that. (laughs) Um, But Daniel Cormier announced that his next fight with Stipe will be his last fight, win or lose. Um, which is good. Yeah. I, I think, you know, he's got this unbelievable career for me. He's one of the top five fighters of all time. You could argue top three. If it wasn't for John Jones, he would probably be the unquestioned number one. Dude, I love DC. DC is a guy that kept me invested in the sport in a time that I could have given a shit less about He's great. Else. He's great. He's got the right personality for yeah. it. I hope he sticks around doing commentary. He's also a guy I trust that when he says he's retired, he's done. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's interesting, this fight with Stipe, how it's going to go, because he was winning the fight until that last round mm-hmm. when Stipe made this unbelievable adjustment, started nailing with body shots, like unbelievable hooks to the body. Same one over and over. And he got knocked out. So what's the adjustment going to be? Is he going to wrestle more? He barely wrestled in this one. So... Uh, it would be cool to see him go out on top, but I will always question when a fighter says they're retiring going into it if their head is there. Yeah. Like, how can you, like, what are you hungry for? But he is such a competitor. He's the one guy that I don't think I should doubt. Yeah. I'm really excited for it. I would love to see him go out on top because if anyone in this sport deserves it, not even just a sport in life, deserves to go out on something like that, it's Daniel Cormier. Yeah. He's a great ambassador for the sport. His story is pretty incredible. You know, uh, kidney failure at the Olympics, lost a daughter while training for the Olympics. Uh, It's a pretty amazing story, and his career to see how he went from heavyweight to light heavyweight to back to heavyweight and winning. Uh, He he's gonna be he's gonna be in the the the, you know one of the most historical figures in the history of the sport. So that's going on. Uh, You did bring up uh, that Lenny Dykstra had to pull out of his uh, celebrity boxing match with uh, Boss Bagel. Uh, due to, uh, I guess his lawyer suggested it because he's he's always in legal trouble, Lenny. <laughs> so now, uh, Chris Morgan, Boss Bagel guy, will be boxing one Dustin Diamond, uh, Screech from Saved by the Bell. Yep. Um, okay, he has a chance now. <laughs> Dykstra would have murdered him. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's some weird... This Boss Bagel guy, man, shit's getting weirder and weirder with him. Like, his representation let him go because he was demanding a house from them. Like, he, he's he been on... Because he went viral? 
Yeah, um, he's been he's been on Jim and Sam a bunch, and there's this girl they have on all the time. Her name is Mary Jean. She's a porn star, and I guess she's hooked up with a couple of the guys from the show. I think one specifically, and she was re- you know she kind of she plays into the show. She like hits on Boss Bagel guy on the show, and he took it as like that she wanted to date him. So he shows up at her family's hair salon waiting for her, and then like while people are coming in to get their hair done or whatever, and Manny Petty, he's like offering to take pictures with them if they get something done, like because he thinks he's still a like major major celebrity i was talking to someone about this today and they already forgot who the boss bagel guy was i said a while ago when this ends for him it's going to be catastrophic it's not going to go well at all um but who do you think is going to win that dustin diamond or boss bagel probably dustin diamond yeah i mean he's done a few of these too yeah and i think he's on the carrot top thing with the steroids i don't think he's huge he's also not going to be invited to the saved by the bell reboot because no one likes him yeah it's amazing how his account of the saved by the bell years is entirely different than everyone else's like all of them remain friends and everyone's like get this fucking creep away <laughs> he's probably a weirdo back then yeah like, you don't look and sound like he did without being a little fucking weirdo i mean i did love say by the bell we talked me and taylor talked about this last week I'm, I'm excited for the reboot zach morris is governor of california <laughs> that's, yeah that's, uh, yeah needs I'm, it i'm kind of i'm kind of down for it um so we talked about uh earlier we talked about uh you were never really here in joaquin phoenix and one of the big uh things surrounding the joker movie has been the the fears that people have uh about uh it's going to inspire someone like oh the, the, shut up uh, yeah so the one argument i always have is can you name me more than two movies that directly inspired someone to commit violence that we know of no Okay, I can name one. It was Taxi Driver and John Lee Hinckley shooting okay, Ronald yeah, Reagan. Yeah. That's the one. He was obsessed with Jodie Foster. Um, that's the only one I can think of. And that is such a particular, particular case. Now, I saw that the family members of people that were killed in the Aurora Dark Knight Rises shooting were writing letters to Warner Brothers about this movie. They were Now, I will say, I was angry at first. I read into it a little more. They were not asking for a boycott. They were asking for general awareness about it, that this might happen. And I've seen a bunch of these social justice douchebag saying that this movie this movie is going to inspire people no you saying that it's going to incite violence and inspire people is what's going to inspire someone like that because all these psychos mass shooters at the end of the day they love seeing themselves in the headlines they love seeing the attention almost every histor- serial killer historically there's a reason they go back to the scene of the crime there's a reason they wanted to make sure that they got credit for certain kills now that you've told these fucking weirdos that this is going to get them in the news yeah, you probably, if anything was going to happen, inspired it a little bit more. Uh, I I think it's ridiculous. And I saw that Tom, Todd Phillips, the director, and Joaquin Phoenix, Todd Phillips specifically said, you know, people talk about how this movie is going to inspire violence. John Wick... <laughs> It kills like 300 people a movie yeah. with all different kinds of guns, all different kinds of weapons, his bare hands, horses, dogs, everything. And not one person has done anything like that because of the John Wick movies. In fact, they're laughing throughout them. I howl watching John Wick. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, the amount of violent movies you and I have watched, video games, quote unquote, violent music we've listened to. Oh, yeah. And how many violent acts have we committed that we Zero. that people know of? Uh, it, it gets to my point, though. Like, it, could this movie inspire someone? Sure. Could any movie inspire someone? I didn't see rapes go up after The Accused came out. I didn't see slavery go up after 12 Years a Slave came out. Slavery gassing, gas, go up. Yeah, gassings didn't go up after Schindler's List. Like, but, like... Why do people just need something to complain about? It goes back to this whole fucking cancel culture thing, man. Um, which another guy got cancel cultured this week. 
Uh, did you hear about Carson King? Oh, yeah, I heard about this. So this this. guy, um, very funny. He went to a college football game, and he had a sign-up that said, I need beer, and he put his Venmo on there. Very clever. People have done this before. He had like $1.14 million in Venmo. And to his credit, he donated it to a local children's hospital. Thankfully, you know, his local newspaper, the Des Moines Register, decided, you know, this is a great story. Let's see what we could dig up on this guy. So his local newspaper went into his Twitter page, his Twitter profile, went back eight years to when he was 16 years old. To find him quoting jokes from Tosh.0 that were racially uh, motivated, racial jokes. And he had to apologize. Anheuser-Busch offered him a sponsorship. They dropped it because of it. Who the fuck? Like, I, I just don't understand, like, who's saying, like, wow, this is a great story. How can we make it not great? Yep. First off, it's still great. That $1.14 million still got donated to a children's school. I, I just, does it give them purpose? Like, do you think, like, what joy do they have in seeing a guy, like, that did something good all of a sudden fall down? Mm-hmm. And to to think that, it, I, I, I don't even, he, he issued a really heartfelt apology, which, if that's what you got to do, you got to do it. What I would have said in this situation, I would say, I'm sorry that you were upset by something I said when I was 16 years old. What I said and did at 16 years old does not reflect the person I'm in, I am today. I learned from the things I did when I was 16, and I probably did worse things than that, and I said worse things from that. But if you find anything recently, let me know and we can talk, because that is not a reflection of my character. I don't think anyone should be apologizing outright. You apologize that they were offended. And then bring up, like, dude, it was that long ago. I was fucking... To think that someone is the same at age 24 compared to 16 is asinine. I'm not the same at age 30 as I was at 24, let alone 16. God, if Twitter existed when I was 16, oh my God, I would have been arrested. (laughs) Like, come on. (laughs) Like, dude, I always say, thank God my original Twitter account got banned. Because if people go back and find some of that stuff, well... Boy, I mean, I helped Taylor clear out his Twitter by doing searches. I probably helped you clear out yours. Well, I just deleted my old yeah, Twitter. Yeah, well, you deleted your old one. one. You were smart. I helped Ralph delete his old stuff. Like, it, it's a really easy thing to do, which is why I'm so good at finding old things from people. It's just a it's a pretty simple algorithm. You took the easy way. I'm just going to make a new profile. Twitter did it for me. Yeah. But, the, like, dude, the guy just donated over a million dollars to a children's hospital, and you want to find out that he quoted something from Tosh.0 or Tosh's stand-up. And that means he's a bad person. It's not about what you do now. It's about what you said when you were 16, I guess, because words mean more than actions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that means, guys, this is this is me saying this directly. You can go commit all the terrible things you want to do. You can do them. Just don't use insensitive words while you do them. So if you're going to commit an assault, just don't use any racial slurs. If you're going to commit a sexual assault, be a gentleman about it. <laughs> You know what I mean. Um, and uh, the last thing before we get into our football picks, uh, that Last of Us 2 trailer. Yep. Oh, my yep. goodness. Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. I am here. I am ready. So I'm excited. Can't wait. I, yeah, can't wait. Yeah, I gotta Actually, I want to pick a bone with Bart Scott quick, too. Um, but Last of Us 2, it, it looks like a true uh, video game cinematic experience. Yeah. Um, the gameplay looks like they tweaked some things on it, which was your biggest complaint about Gears of War 5, that the gameplay stayed the same. Um, and the story is obviously evolving, because now you're going to be playing her rather than Joel. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot her name. Uh, it's I Actually, I want to play Last of Us again. I have the remaster for PS4. Uh, I was just going to say the remaster is free on PS4. Oh, I, I, I saw it was yeah. free this month. I, I bought it the second it came out, because I love the game so much. Um, I, I'm excited, because I've just been so deep in Madden. I haven't played a story game uh, since Red Dead 2. So I need something. I know we got to wait a little bit until February. I, what other games are coming out anytime soon, story mode-wise? Well, for me, so what I do is I, I know that you you could never do what I do. So sure. I always wait till October 
when they put the show on the store for free during sure. uh, the playoffs. Yeah, I can't do that. Uh, and I just I I fill my baseball off season with playing the show. Okay, so you're the opposite of me. I fill yeah. my baseball season with playing show. My football season with Madden. You yeah. do it during off seasons. Yeah. That actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. See, I'm I'm way too much of a junkie for MLB the show and for Madden that I need it like instantly. The yeah. fact that Madden came out while I was in Vegas ate at my core, as sad as that is. I mean, you see me on PS4, I'm playing Madden every fucking night. It's yeah. that's all I do. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm I'm excited to have an actual story mode game. I, what other ones are coming out? I mean, Fall in Order, we're getting a trailer for tomorrow, I think. A brand new yeah. um, mm-hmm. which I'm obviously excited for that, but that's probably like another what? Six months to a year Easily, out. Yeah. Um, I I should probably try out Red Dead Online, because uh, I keep hearing it's awesome. Yeah. I do want to play Battlefront again. Another one I'm excited for is that Resident Evil one they're releasing. Uh, the one that looks like it's Resident Evil Left for Dead or World oh, War yeah, Z. Yeah. I'm down. I've been saying to Taylor, the second you want to play World War Z, tell me. I'll tell Josh and we'll play. We yeah. haven't played in forever and they released all kinds of shit for it. But um, Last of Us, I mean, I think in this one they'll probably kill Joel, right? Like mm, You'd think it part, towards the end because it almost looks like he looks like Arthur at the end of uh, Red Dead 2. Like, he, he's looking haggard like this is his swan song, his goodbye. Yeah. I mean, if you really want to take it into a different direction of, or a new direction that'd be how you do it it's the bridge yeah but um I, i'm probably going to try and line it up to beat the original again right when right before two comes out yeah so you can get like the full arc you know uh we're probably at a slowdown right now for because the consoles story are... games because i think i think that it's it's holiday 2020 it's mm-hmm. literally next year that the new xbox and new playstation are coming out yeah right? and do they have price points on them yet or you have to uh, assume four, rumors, f- four or five hundred bucks probably. Uh, I believe that the PlayStation is four ninety nine. That's what okay. they're saying it's going to be. How much I was the PS four in account? Four ninety nine. It was three ninety nine. Yes. It was cheaper. Yeah, because I remember that was the problem the PS three had that it was like six hundred, seven hundred bucks when it came out. Yeah. Right. And the, the three sixty was three hundred. So that was the problem. And then they flipped uh, it. Yeah. Then the they next flipped. One. Yeah, they flipped it with the next one. Um. Yeah. I mean, I've had my PS four since the it, it released when I went to the midnight release at Best Buy for it. Yeah. Um. So I mean, the fact that it's lasted this long is pretty good for. Me, mm-hmm. but I don't think many people have had to rebuy them. I mean, you re- upgraded yours. Yeah, I got the PS4 Pro, but that you was just, just traded in your old one for yeah. it, right? You got like what 180 bucks, and Something then you just like went to the difference of it. Yeah. Okay. Why don't we start football stuff? Okay. Um, uh, yeah. Go uh, ahead. Set your camera. And um, yeah, I'm ready to go. I have our uh, overall records for the year, and I have uh, Taylor's picks. And you tell me when we're recording. All right, we're good. All right, guys. Hi. Um, Hi. Yeah, as uh, you know, on the audio aspect of it, this is episode 70 of You Watch, I Listen. Uh, This is going to be our week three or week four NFL picks. Um, I still have week two on here, so that's what just confused me. Um, Last week, I went 11 and five. Josh, you went 10 and six. And Taylor went nine and seven, way better than his previous week. Uh, Josh, you are two games ahead of me in the lead at 32, 15 and one. I am 30, 17 and one. And Taylor is... uh, Three weeks into the season, he is heading for a tattoo at 25-22-1. He's got to get a little more creative, and he's got to stop trusting bad teams, which I think is his biggest mistake. Has he picked the Broncos all three weeks? Uh, yes, he has. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's part of the problem. I think he's trusted uh, the Redskins too much at times. I think he's trusted the Vikings too much at times, uh, certain teams. I think Taylor, and he might disagree with this, but he is a Kirk Cousins fanboy, and no one should be a Kirk Cousins yeah, fanboy. Yeah, Kirk Cousins sucks. I know he wanted him on the Broncos, and I said from the beginning, no, you don't. No, you don't. Kirk Cousins is only good. 
Kirk Wait Cousins is he's just a new age Matt. He's a new age Ryan Fitzpatrick. I wonder who he did that against. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh your team. Oh. Um, okay, so a uh, couple things. Uh, nothing really crazy going on in the league. Obviously, the Antonio Brown saga continues. Um, maybe it's slowing down now. I'm kind of. I can't say I'm over it because I'm so fascinated. I'm not over it. <laughs> Why aren't you over it, Josh? I'm not over it because I take two years off of fantasy football, jump right back into it. I would say I've got this great draft plan. I'm going to wind up with A B. Julio Jones and Odell Beckham, the three best wide receivers sure. as far as fantasy goes. I'm going to wind up with all three of them. And what do I do? I wind up with all three of them as soon as it fucking happens. Antonio Brown released from the Raiders. Okay, cool, great, awesome. Antonio Brown picked up by the Patriots. Oh, Even yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. All right, hell yeah. 11, Antonio Brown 11, raped somebody. 11, oh. 11 days later. <laughs> 11 days later, he's off the Patriots. How are you doing in fantasy three weeks in? One and two. Uh, who's your one win against? Ralph. <laughs> oh, wait, no, 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 no. Uh, I forgot who. Uh, I was hoping it was his wife. No, I'm actually... Uh, she I, was throwing shade at your fantasy team, man, so you better crush her. What do you mean? She said your team sucked. My team, In theory, yeah, because I haven't won as much <laughs> no, as she has. No, she was has. saying it before the season even started that your team sucked. She was throwing shade, yo. Oh, my... Yo, she's been playing fantasy for like two fucking years. She's better than you. Yeah, because of Antonio Brown. She's Antonio also, Brown was she's fucking also playing. A teacher, so she's going to be smarter than us. That's true. She is smarter than she, us. She's she much smarter. smarter than us. All the women in our lives are smarter than us. Something that we've come to accept, yeah. especially in Ralph's case, because yes. he's the shit. He's just pure yeah. shit. Uh, so when we get to these picks, um, as I said, Josh has a two-game lead going into week uh, week four. Uh, the first game of the week is the Philadelphia Eagles at the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Eagles coming off another last-second loss to the. Uh, the Detroit Lions this week. Uh, I'm, I'm like forgetting the games now. I'm fucking running on fumes. And the Packers with an impressive victory over, over. Fuck, what's happening to me? I'm losing it. Uh, they beat a bad team. I know they beat a bad team. Who'd they beat? I forgot now. Hold no. on, I need to know now. Very professional over here at you watch. I listen. I think I have it up actually. Who the Packers played, and I think we all took them. Um, oh, the Broncos. <laughs> That's why I was like, it was some dummy that picked the Broncos. Yeah, um, very impressive victory for the Packers again. Very, very good defense. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I think he only hit the ground once the entire game. When's the last time you could say that about Aaron Rodgers? Because yeah. he used to get the shit kicked out of him. Um, for this one, the Eagles are reeling. Uh, they had so many injuries before the game last week that they skipped a practice. They just did a walkthrough. Uh, got, Carson Wentz's guys are dropping balls all over the field. His offensive line isn't running back to protect him, which I thought was fucking crazy crazy um I, you really have to question what's going on if there's some kind of mutiny happening with his offensive line but regardless short notice with the amount of injuries the eagles have um against a very good packers defense um and i you know historically on thursday night games the home team wins so for me it's the packers here Josh? Uh, yeah, Packers for me as well. Uh, Eagles are way too beat up to contend with how good this packers team looks yeah um i would agree and taylor also took uh, the uh, the Packers as well. Uh, the next game is the Carolina Panthers at the Houston Texans. Another four and a half point spread for the home team. Uh, so the Texans uh, coming off a really, really impressive victory against the Chargers where they couldn't really get it, their running game going, but Deshaun Watson prevailed. They actually, he only got sacked two times, which is an improvement. Uh, Panthers got their first win of the season with Kyle Allen having a huge game against uh, the Arizona Cardinals. I could see this game being closer than I think people think it's going to be. They just see, you know, oh, they beat the, the Cardinals. It, there's The one th- theme with this week is that almost every game seems like it's just, oh, that's easy, that's easy. Yep. And when that happens, there's like a, a massive amount of upsets usually. But in this case, I think the Texans are playing really good football. I know Laramie Tunzel isn't practicing this week, uh, or he hasn't practiced yet, so there's some concerns. And Carolina's defense is not bad. 
They have obviously a pretty good pass rush. They have Luke Keekley. They can do some things. But I don't think Kyle Allen's going to be able to duplicate what he did to the Cardinals against the Texans. So for me, it's the Houston Texans at home. Uh, yeah, I'm taking the home team here too. I agree with you. Uh, it could be a spoiler game. Yeah, it's a weird um, one. It's a it's a weird one because the Texans, you know, that's definitely the it falls into um, you know a spoiler type game or a letdown game because they picked up this really good road win against a decent Chargers team, come from behind kind of thing. But I just think the Texans are more talented. Yeah. Um, unless Kyle Allen is suddenly you know this guy. I mean, it's kind of unlikely. Although he played great last week, uh, it's going to be on his shoulders if they want to win this game. Yeah. And Taylor also took the Texans. That's going to probably be a theme a lot this week, so it's going to be very tough to make up ground unless there's some differences. Um, I'll let you take this next one. Uh, The Cleveland Browns at the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Ravens, uh, seven-point favorites at home. Um... Yeah, there's something going on in Cleveland. Uh, yeah, it's I don't called know. the Freddie Kitchens problem. Yeah, I don't know what it is. The guy is uh, not calling plays like he did down the stretch last no. year. Uh, Baker Mayfield does not have the same level of swagger that he did at the no. end of last season. Uh, there's a lot of miscommunication. Yep. There's a lot of uh, you know mistimings on throws. Sure. Um, Are you still recording on there? Yeah. Okay, I'm just making sure. It went dark. Yeah. The, it scared me. Let's well, just make sure. Imagine if it's not. Let's just see. That would suck. Okay. Yeah, it is. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Professionalism, guys. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'm taking the Ravens. Okay. Um, I don't think, like I said, uh, a couple of uh, a couple episodes ago, I think that the Browns, the Browns are, are going to be, be inconsistent, like, yeah. up down, up down. I can't see them winning on the road in a division. Yeah. Right um, now, based on what I've seen, against a really good Ravens team coming off a tough loss uh, against a team they played tough in the Chiefs. Um, yeah, the Browns. There is something going on, and I don't think it's anything beyond a Freddie Kitchens problem. I think that while he was a good offensive coordinator for them last year after Hugh Jackson was fired. Uh, he's taken on too much. And, you know, the thing that usually can be most evident about a coach not having a grasp on his team is when there's excessive penalties every week. And the Browns have a shit ton of penalties. I, I think that there's too many. Uh, he does. He's trying to do too much. I think he should give up offensive play calling as good as he was last year and focus on one thing. I mean, the numbers for Baker Mayfield when he's getting when he does quick passes, he's awesome. When it's like a quick three step drop, get rid of the ball. When it's anything beyond a three step drop, it's awful because the tackles aren't holding up. The pressure is terrible. He's getting hit instantly. And of course that swagger is gonna go away when you're not confident in your offensive line. And until that's fixed, I can't necessarily pick them, especially against a team like the Ravens, who I think are one of the best teams in the AFC. So all three of us are also taking the Ravens. Uh, we are all in the same pick so far. Now this one could be interesting. Uh, the Washington Redskins at the New York Giants. Uh, Giants are three-point favorites at home. Daniel Jones coming off. One of the greatest rookie debuts ever for a quarterback. A come-from-behind victory. Two rushing touchdowns. Uh, showed incredible poise in the pocket. Uh, literally, it was arguably the best rookie debut in NFL history for a quarterback. Um, and for this one, I'm going to roll with the New York football Giants. Uh, the Redskins are reeling. Uh, they have a lot of issues offensively defensively Jay Gruden is kind of coaching for his job and usually not always but when a guy's coaching for his job he starts making dumb decisions like not starting his first round quarterback Dwayne Haskins who could save his job and sticking with Case Keenum Case Keenum by the way is third in the league in passing yards if you want to know how inflated passing yards are in today's NFL uh, but I you know the Giants did lose Saquon Barkley that is a huge deal yeah. for up to eight weeks, maybe longer. Um, and I, I can't be stressed enough how that changes the dynamic of the game. Uh, are the Redskins a better team than the Bucks? No, but it's not. It's a little bit closer than you think. The Redskins, you got a real. They were up on their first two weeks. They had the, they had uh, the Eagles beat. 
and they had uh, the Cowboys. They were leading the Cowboys, too. And then they fell apart, and then this past week, they got crushed. Um, but despite that, I, I think Daniel Jones will give a good game. I don't know if it's going to be as good now that we have a little tape on him. Uh, it's hard to say. I think Landon Collins is going to be highly motivated in this game to make a point against the Giants. So I, I'm going to predict that Daniel Jones' first interception will come this week uh, at the handle Landon Collins, but I'm still going to take the Giants in this game at home. I'm going to take the Giants, too. Um why are you starting Case Keenum? I mean, come on. Well, it, I I understand the logic of it. If you thought maybe the veteran can get us off to a decent start, kind of like what you did with Eli, even though I didn't agree with taking Eli because I don't think you keep a quarterback at twenty three millions twenty three million dollars when you draft one in the first round. But um, yeah, you're you're not winning with Case Keenum. You're zero three. Mm-hmm. You're in your sixth year as the head coach of the Redskins, and you have what one playoff appearance? Yeah. Uh, you got to prove something now that you can you know, mentor this kid and build him up and coach him up and show that he was worth it and that you were smart for taking him. But you're being stubborn and sticking with Case Keenan because this is the Gruden family. This yep. is what they do. Um, yeah, I the Giants should win this game. And then suddenly they become a, a relevant team after four weeks, which is very interesting. Um, but I, I really liked what I saw from Daniel Jones. Yeah. And while hey, I was... It's good for you. What? Good for you if they win a couple games. It's absolutely good for me if they win. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I It's going to be interesting to see what happens because um, the Giants are in this weird place as far as um, their offense goes, you know, and not having Saquon is going to change a lot, but their defense is so bad, and you're going to put a lot of a lot on the shoulders of Daniel Jones early on. Um, and do, do they have the pass catchers to keep up? They're going to get Golden Tate back after this week, I believe. So I'm excited to see. And I was very, very critical of the draft pick of Daniel Jones, but the second I saw how nasty Giants, and fuck you to Giants fans, the amount of Giants fans that shit on it, I'm allowed to. I'm not a Giants fan. I could shit on anyone. I could shit on my own guys, too, and I'll openly admit I was wrong about someone. Um, I won't say I was wrong about anyone now because one game doesn't prove anything, but the first game he was sensational. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see where his career goes. Uh, next game, the Los Angeles Chargers at the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the Chargers are 16-point favorites. The reeling Los Angeles Chargers, who I don't think look very good despite their first win of the se- uh, week one victory, they're still going to win this game. I mean, the Dolphins played way better last week against the Cowboys. They had a chance to take the lead at the end of the first half before they fumbled it inside the five-yard line, because why wouldn't they? Rosen played okay, because why wouldn't he, despite losing? They're fucking awful. They're going to be awful until they fucking spend all this money in the offseason and get draft picks, and they'll still probably be fucking awful, because fuck my ass. Um, but despite that, the Chargers are going to win this game. Yep. Um, it, this is the one like where we're saying like these games are so easy to pick. This should be the scary one, honestly. Yeah. Because that's always when it happens. When it's the one where like no chance, no chance. And the fact that like th- I was telling uh, Grohow about this. The thing I'm looking for from Miami at this point is I want to see if the coaching staff can scheme well enough despite limited talent. And in the first half of the Cowboys game, they schemed incredibly well. I mean, they kept it. It was within two points. And I was excited to see that because they were doing things to the running game and the the movements of the uh, Cowboys offensive line or um, or offensive play calling. And then it fell apart in the second half because you can only overcome a limit of talent for so long. But the Chargers are still going to win this game. If they don't, then it's time to uh, tell Phillip Rivers to hit the the bricks. (laughs) Because if you can't beat the Dolphins, uh, this Dolphins team, then maybe you should get benched and start Case Keenum. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Chargers as well. <laughs> yeah, you don't think you need much more no. than that. Like, and Taylor's taking them. Taylor was also taking the Giants. We are literally all the same pick so far, which I don't necessarily love. So we'll see. 
Uh, the next game is the Oakland Raiders at the Indianapolis Colts. The 2-1 and Indianapolis Colts that should be 3-0 and if not for Vinatieri laying an egg in week one. They should have won that game against the Chargers nonetheless. The Chargers could just as easily be 0-3, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, the Colts are a good team, man. They're running the ball great. They have probably the best offensive line in the league right now. You saw them this week. They were incredibly hard to get to pass rush-wise. Yeah. Um, and Jacoby Brissett's playing really well. They have a really, really good defense. Uh, and the Raiders are the Raiders. The Raiders are 1-8 on the road going back to last year under John Gruden. Uh, they are not built to play from behind, and they're going to play from behind in this game. I got the Colts winning this one. Remember when the Raiders were good a couple of years ago? They had that one year with Derek Carr with Jack Del Rio as the head head coach. Yeah, that was a, an interesting time when yeah. he threw like 38 touchdowns or yeah. something. Yeah, um, I don't think Carr's that good. I think he's okay. He's yeah. serviceable. He's a better Kirk Cousins. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Kirk Cousins is a better Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Derek Carr is a better Kirk Cousins. Um, I think in certain systems and the right coaches, like, if you put Kirk Cousins, uh, or excuse me, Derek Carr on the Ravens, Harbaugh would make it work. Yeah. Uh, I think he'd be decent in Jacksonville, a team like that that was trying to use the Nick Foles system. You put him with the Eagles, D- Doug Peterson will get a lot out of him. I don't think Gruden has it in him to work that out with Derek Carr. No. Um, and I, again, I don't know if Derek Carr has it in him necessarily either. So um, who are you taking in this one, Colts or Raiders? I'm taking the Colts. Okay. Um, Taylor as well, so we're literally going down the line here. Uh, I think it's probably going to be this one too. The Chiefs at the Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions could just as easily be 3-0, and a nice surprise this early in the season. I think this game will be a little bit closer than people think. Um, the Chiefs are 6.5-point road favorites, which is fucking a wild, wild spread to have. Um, but it's going to be the same thing I've said with every Chiefs game recently, and I said it with the Ravens last week. They're going to put up points at some point, and can you keep up? Yeah. I don't think the Lions can keep up at this point. I don't know if any team short of maybe the Patriots can. Maybe the Saints when Drew Brees is healthy. Maybe. that That's a gigantic maybe if you can keep up points-wise. The Lions are not a great defensive team. They're a pretty good defensive team, but so were the Ravens. And the Ravens were a really, really good defensive team. So for me, it's the Chiefs in this one. Um, yeah, I'm taking the Chiefs too. I uh, agree with you. I don't see them. Uh, I don't see the Lions keeping up with the point scoring yeah, ability. Yeah, it, it might be close in the first half, but you're going to see that second when Mahomes gets going. You know, the, uh, the Chiefs under Andy Reid with Pat Mahomes have never scored less than 26 points in a game. Really? <laughs> wow. Think about that. That's a fucking wild stat. Like, you're happy when your team wins by 2017. If you're playing, like, the score's 2017. If you're playing the Chiefs, that tells you at a minimum you got to score 27 points. That's yeah. fucking crazy. Um, and Taylor's also taking the Chiefs. Um, the next game, a major AFC East showdown between the 3-0 and New England Patriots and the 3-0 and Buffalo Bills. Uh, Bills off to their first 3-0 and start since uh, in seven years. The last time was with Ryan Fitzpatrick under center. They once Then they gave him a huge contract extension. How'd that go? Um, what do you think? Who's the home team? Uh, the Bills. The Bills, who their last time they beat the Patriots was in Buffalo in that 3-0 and start seven years ago. I'm going to take the Bills. You're going to take the Bills. There's our first different pick. Okay, so you think the Bills um, are going to be able to match them offensively and defensively. So I think that defensively they'll be better than a lot of us think because sure. Julian Edelman's hurt. Julian Edelman's hurt. Their offensive line is beat up. They just lost their all-pro um, uh, fullback, uh, James Devlin, for the year. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Your screen dimmed again. Uh, fantastic fullback. Um, now, the one thing with the Patriots, the, their defense hasn't given up a touchdown since the AFC Championship game. <laughs> 
fucking that's crazy. crazy. That's insane. And Devin McCourty's playing the best football of his career. Stephon Gilmore might be the best corner in the league right now. Uh, I don't think you're crazy for taking the Bills. That's a, that building is going to be crazy. Those fans are going to be crazy. When you see those Bills Mafia videos yeah, there's from be this some tailgate, yeah. they're going to be going wild because this is the first time Bills fans have had true hope in forever. Yeah. And they see a quarterback that might be the answer. And they see a team that might be a playoff team. And what's really going to happen is they'll probably fall apart and not make the playoffs. Yeah. Because that's what happened the last time. But this is a chance for them to make a statement. The only thing the Bills can't do here is get blown out. Because if they get blown out, people are going to be like, oh, they're not for real. And if they play competitively and lose, people will be like, this Bills team is for real. If they win, it's a different conversation. But if they get blown out by two, three scores, then it's gonna the narrative is completely different. That 3-0 and start doesn't have as good a feeling because you're going to look at who they beat, the Jets, the Giants, the Bengals. Yeah. And you're going to be like, oh, okay. So I, I'm taking the, the Patriots here. Again, that defense is just unbelievable. To not give up a touchdown through three weeks of the season and not give up one since the AFC Championship game, and that was the Chiefs, <laughs> is pretty wild. And Taylor is also taking the Patriots. Next game, Josh. Tennessee Titans at the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the Falcons are four-point home favorites. I'll let you take this one. Um... Yeah, I'm taking the Titans for the same reason the last time I picked against the Falcons. Um, the Falcons will probably win, but I'm picking the Titans just to spite yourself. Spite myself. Um, what a what, fucking so what dog th- shit what example main... of coaching and fucking. Are you blaming you... most of the Falcons' problems on the coaching? I'm blaming all of the Falcons' problems on the coaching. Okay. I'm not blaming it on the the front office because how can you take a team with such a collection of talent and put dog shit on the field and to get off terrible to terrible offensive starts with that offense so i'm not even talking offensively i'm talking defensively you've got a defense with wait are you implying that your head coach is supposed to be a defensive wizard i am implying that (laughs) so how do you take a defense with the talent levels of deon jones grady jarrett vic beasley tack mckinley keanu neal who yeah and he got a he got a penalty for that too yeah i know how stupid how <laughs> fucking stupid is that bullshit the guy fucking ruptures his achilles he on the slammed field his helmet down in anger. like how what an, what an asshole referee fuck you man fuck you that's what i have to say but Ooh, no seriously fuck you too the referee or the falcons right now the falcons yeah i mean the falcons are another team just like uh the chargers where they could very easily be 0-3 right now yeah and they haven't had a game even in that win where they looked like a playoff team yeah. Um, you know, Matt Ryan doesn't look like himself. Uh, and is that the offensive play calling? Is it him? I mean, he's... Well, if you look at Matt Ryan, so the one thing I'll say about Matt Ryan is that... Those good in women's lingerie. Those pictures. The one thing I'll say about Matt Ryan is that even when he's bad, he's still good. Serviceable at, um, at minimum. So in the years that he had the, the highest number of interceptions, he had 17, 16, and 18 in three stretches of the years. Who was his offensive coordinator during those years? Dirk Cutter. Sure. So Dirk Cutter's back. He's throwing a lot of picks. <laughs> So, so you brought back the guy that led him to his worst football of his career. But even then, like his his QB rating is still high. You know, still in the nineties, high eighties in those. Yeah, three he seasons. was just more turnover prone. He was just you know he's throwing thirty sure. touchdowns, but he's throwing seventeen interceptions. Yeah. And I mean, I hearkened it back to Favre a couple of weeks ago. How many times did Favre throw twenty nine touchdowns yeah, and twenty correct. interceptions? You know, yeah, it, it's it's some it, you're you're not wrong. Um, and you can do that if you have a smothering defense or a really good running game because mm-hmm. you can control the clock on both sides. And of the they ball. could have a smothering 
smothering defense if they were coached well. Yeah, and Devontae Freeman doesn't look like himself. He's he's knocking off the rust. And, it, um, you know, this has to be close to the end for Dan Quinn if things don't turn around. You would yeah, think. if they don't make the playoffs this year, he's you done. Would, you would think so. Um, and so you're taking the Titans. Uh, Taylor and I are both taking the Falcons. Um, so I was having this conversation with my buddy Jeff again um, about this game. And for him, he said the Titans were a no-brainer. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Marcus Mariota just got sacked nine times in a game. And he's and he's like, well, the Falcons don't have that kind of pass rush. I was like, yeah. But, oh, but they do. But but they, they have a pass rush, sure. They, they sacked Jacoby Brissett once against the best offensive line in the league. They have a decent pass rush. But what? tell me what defense is going to consistently put up nine sacks unless they're playing an offensive line as terrible as the Titans. Yeah. None of them. None of them. No, they don't have the Jaguars' defensive line. Not many teams do. That's a ridiculous defensive line. Well, I, but uh, I will say that... The, they're not the Jaguars defensive they're not the, line. But they're they not. have a very they have a, they have good... a good defensive line. They don't have the, the... But they have good enough. Like, this is the way I see it. If you have a... Like, the Jaguars pass rush is good enough that against the best offensive line they'll probably get three or four sacks, right? So against a really bad defensive line, they put up fucking... Nine is bordering on historic. The Titans don't have playmakers on either side of the ball. Mariota's got his fifth straight different offensive coordinator. That's exactly what happened to Alex Smith his first six years in the league where it was a different offensive coordinator every year until Harbaugh. It's terrible for a quarterback's development. They're going on the road. They proved that, and you have a bad offensive line, it's even worse on the road, but the Falcons fans haven't exactly been showing out in droves. There was, I heard a ton of Eagles fans at that game against the Eagles too, but it's not like the Titans have a wild fan base. But for me, it's the Falcons in this game, and Taylor is also taking them. Uh, next game is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Rams, 10-point home favorites. Uh, you saw what the Bucks did. Uh, Bruce Arians is making you look like an asshole this year. Yeah, he is. Um, he took a penalty for a delay a game because my kicker is better from further away, despite the fact he missed two extra points in that same game. I mean, this one's a no-brainer. I haven't been super impressed with the Rams. Um, they could have very easily lost to the Browns. Probably should have. And if Drew Brees w- was in that game still, they probably would have won. Because the fact that Sean Payton went so conservative after he went down with injury. Uh, but I haven't been as impressed with the Rams as I was last year. Despite that, I haven't been impressed with the Bucks at all besides playing the, the Cam Newton shell game against the Panthers because Cam Newton's not himself anymore. Uh, for me, this is easy. It's the Rams. Yeah, the Rams. I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on it. And Taylor also took them. Uh, next game, Seattle Seahawks at the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Seattle are five-point home favorites. What do you think? Yeah, I'm taking Seattle. Yeah, I would have to say so. I mean, I thought if the Cardinals were going to win a game this year, it was last week against the Panthers at home. Um, And, you know, they're at home again playing a Seahawks team coming off uh, a really, really bad loss to the Saints at home. Uh, and, you know, the, if you look at the final score, it looks like it was a close game. And if you look at the yardage, they outgained the Saints like 510 yards to 290. Yeah, and it if, wasn't and, that close. And uh, New York Yankees second baseman Russell, uh, Russell Wilson is playing very well. So. He's playing great. He's a, he's a top five quarterback in the league for my money. Um, and they're always in the playoffs. Also, uh, the, New York Yankees second baseman. Yeah, yeah, New York Yankees. We get it. We get it. Get it. Uh, uh, Pete Alonso's one home run away from tying Aaron Judge's rookie record. Uh, yeah, I'm worried about that. Five games. You, five games. Five games for you know five games. Time five out. games for Mets time to Met. Timeout for football, really quick, because you're a cunt. <laughs> when the fucking Yankees had injuries, you cursed them because you picked them to uh, go to the World Series. Yeah, what? Tell me now, motherfucker. Tell me now, motherfucker. Right, now they won 100 games. Yeah, they're, exactly. And they're, they're still pretty... probably going to lose to the Astros. Hey, who's your star- best starter? <laughs> 
Domingo Herman. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's your best starter. He, he's best at starting domestic abuse. Um, so, yeah, the Seahawks, are we all taking the Seahawks here? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the Cardinals, um, they might have another one-and-done coach in Cliff Kingsbury because his uh, innovative air raid offense doesn't look all that innovative. It was like when Chip Kelly came over. It was like, Chip Kelly, at least the pace was different, and teams tried to copy that. Yeah. But th- there was the same level of success. Or lack of success, rather. Uh, next game, this is a good game. This is the closest spread so far. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings at the Chicago Bears. Uh, both teams at 2-1. and one. Uh, For me, this is an easy one. Because um, I've made it very clear how I feel about Kirk Cousins. And I know the Vikings aren't very good on the road. I could very easily see the Vikings going 8-0 and at home this year and 0-8 on the road. Uh, the Bears' defense is ridiculous. Yeah. It is ridiculous. There's no faster linebacking core in the league besides maybe the Cowboys. And the things that they can do offensively when they're going well as far as creativity with Matt Nagy is is awesome. Uh, and I don't think Minnesota can really do what they want to do on the road in a hostile environment. So for me, it's a no-brainer. It's the Bears. Yeah, um, anytime you're putting a defense like that up against yeah. Kirk Cousins, I'm you're taking the, the defense. You're going to take the defense. Oh, so you're taking the Bears, and Taylor's taking the Vikings. So there's we only have three so far that are different in some way. Um, which tells me this whole week's going to be a clusterfuck. There's going to be some wild fucking upsets this week. Yeah. Like, we're all going to end up being like 2-4 and four, or 2-13 and because there's only uh, 15 games this week. Uh, the next game is the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Denver Broncos. Um, yeah, Taylor's Broncos are a mess. Yeah, he tried telling me that they're one of the three worst teams in the league or that they might be as bad as the Dolphins. I'm like, dude, they're not worse than the Jets. They're not worse than the Dolphins. They're probably not worse than the Redskins. But their new head coach, Vic Fangio, coming over from the Bears last year, uh, he's been one of the most respected defensive coordinators in the NFL for like 20 years now. He's been a, he- a coach in the NFL since 1986. Maybe there's a reason he had to wait so long to get a head coaching job because he has Von Miller and Bradley Chubb backing up into coverage. The Bears defense, or the Broncos defense rather, doesn't have a sack, an interception, or a forced fumble this That's season That's insane. Yet. When you think about the players on that defense, Chris Harris, Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, and you don't have any of those things. You should That's... have a sack by accident. Yeah, seriously. And um, for me, Jacksonville, I, I am all about Gardner Minshew. He's my fucking dude. I love him. I love him. I love him. I, I, I think it's great when a six-round pick not named Tom Brady plays really well. Yep. Um, and the Jaguars' defense is really good if they can get the running game going at all. Uh, it's going to be a tough environment in Denver, and Denver is due. This is one of these games that you can't be too sure about because who are, what's the Jaguars' identity? What's the What are the Broncos doing? But for me, I'm confident taking Jacksonville. Uh, I'm going to take the Broncos okay. uh, solely uh, on them being the home team. Okay. Um, That's why I took them in week two after losing to the Raiders, and they fucked me. Denver's, uh, Denver's a tough place to play, yeah, especially definitely. for definitely. a young player like Gardner Minshew. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that guy gives a fuck, though. Yeah. Did you hear that story about him breaking his own hand? He wanted to get re- injury redshirted his freshman year. Yeah. He took a fucking hammer. And smashed his own hand and told the uh, the team that he got stuck in a car door. <laughs> okay. He's a fucking maniac, dude. Yeah. I love him. Uh, his outfits he wears. I, I adore the guy. He's wearing Speedos. He's me. Yeah. He's me. I love it. 
Um, so you're going to take the Broncos just based on being a home, and you don't think the Jaguars are all that good either. Yeah. So take the home team. I almost always think you take the home team when it's two bad teams. There's exceptions, obviously. So you're going to take the Broncos. Taylor's actually taking Jacksonville. Wow. So he's in the same boat as you now. It took me <laughs> one week to jump off my team's bandwagon. <laughs> uh, the Sunday night game. Uh, this is a pretty good one, actually. Probably game of the week. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys at the New Orleans Saints. Uh, we just talked about it a minute ago. The Saints had a ridiculously impressive victory on the road in Seattle um, where, you know, uh, when Drew Brees went down in that game against the Rams, Sean Payton got super conservative with the play calling. Um, Of course, you don't have Drew Brees in the game anymore. What are you supposed to do? So I was interested to see how he was going to use the offense this week with a full week of training camp and a full week to game plan. And he put together a very efficient game plan. Um, uh, Alvin Kamara is like watching a video game. He is a human joystick. He is ridiculous. And they got him the ball exactly the times they needed to. Um, They gave up 500 yards of offense, but their defense played way better than that stat line indicates. That game was not as close as the final score says. And the Cowboys are 3-0, coming off beating the Dolphins. Um, Okay. Like, who isn't going to beat the Dolphins? But um, I don't like the the Giants fans saying, uh, they haven't beaten anyone. You know, they beat who's in front of them. You are what your record says you are. If you're 0-3 and you lost in the last second of every game, guess what? You're still 0-3. If you blew a lead in the fourth quarter, you're still 0-3. Um, and they beat the teams in front of them, and they beat the majority of them handily. Yeah. They they won by double digits in each of these games, did they not? Like, it, it's not a fluke that they're playing well. Now they're going to be going to New Orleans um, against a team that still has life, even without Drew Brees sitting at 2-1. and one. And you have to be confident that they want to make a statement in the NFC, um, and that even without our, our superstar, future Hall of Fame quarterback, that we can beat the good teams. And for that reason, I am taking the New Orleans Saints at home to give the Cowboys their first loss of the season. Uh, I'm taking the Cowboys. Okay. Um, I like the defense. I think defense the def- is great. I think the defense is playing really well. Um, you know, the, the Saints are at home, yeah, but you know, there's going to be somewhat conservatism too. Sure, the sure. You know, it's more of a Teddy ball, ball, ball control. To... It's more ball control than it's like a vertical type game yeah. like it is with Drew Brees. You're not going to see him hit and see, it passes 30 yards in the seam like Drew Brees does so well. Yeah, that's not his game. And uh, and to me, also on the offensive side of things, Dak is earning the money that he's asking for. He, I've said it from the beginning, he deserves it. Like, no, he's not Tom Brady. He's not Drew Brees. He's not Aaron Rodgers. Who the fuck is? Yeah. Like, he, he, who's to say he can't be as good as a Ben Roethlisberger? Like, yes, he has a stacked team around him. He's a very good quarterback. Have you seen his fourth quarter numbers? His, he's got the best passer rating since he came in the league in the fourth quarter, the most uh, fourth quarter comeback since he came in the league. The kid is no joke. He plays well with what's around him. As long as you don't expect him to be Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, he's fine. Yeah. And um, this is a tough game. I'm not confident in my Saints pick at all. But I think at home, it's almost like the two bad teams at home. Uh, who's who's at home? Two decent teams. Um, you really can't tell the difference between these teams as far as quality. Yeah. You know the 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 Saints schedule has been tougher. You know they played some better teams. They um, and then you look at the Cowboys. They've kind of had cookie cutter games so far, but they won them decisively. I think another full week with Teddy Bridgewater, they can get Taysom Hill more involved. I think that Sean Payton and that team is going to be highly motivated to make a statement that even without Drew Brees, we are the best team in the NFC, and you're going to just take the Cowboys, and so is Taylor. So at least we have a couple different here in the Sunday slate of games, because the Monday night game is pure dog shit, and that is the Cincinnati Bengals at the Pittsburgh Steelers, the 0-3 Bengals, the 0-3 Steelers, um, the Steelers who had no business losing to the 49ers with the way they played, and they blew it anyway. Um, it was cool to 
see Minka Fitzpatrick have a good game in his first one for the Steelers. I was happy for him. Had an interception, a forced fumble, and he got stiff armed to hell by the fullback. Did you see that stiff arm? Yeah. Yo, he fucking judo threw him yeah, while he was running with the ball. Um, I'm actually going to take the Bengals here. I think the Steelers are in a position that they are not used to. I think that the fan base isn't used to it either, so this home crowd isn't going to be exactly hostile yep. or loud. I think the Bengals have actually played some decent football besides the 49ers game. They they should have beat the Bills this week. They had them right there. If they had a bit more talent, they probably would have won. They should have won in week one against uh, the Seahawks. They played the shit out of them, too. And, you know, I think in, if you're a Bengals player and you're a Bengals coach, you got to be like, this is the first time the Steelers are as bad as us. Let's make sure they're worse than us. <laughs> I, I I don't know. It's it, it's a toss up game. You're picking two dog shit teams. The main reason I took this uh, the Bengals this week is because there's usually about four upsets a week, three to four on average. I think the actual average number over season is like three and a half, and I only had two, so I had to take another one. I'm taking the Bengals, and no interest really. But yeah, I'm going to take the Steelers at home. Same reason as before. Two bad teams taking the home team. Okay, so we got our picks in here. Um, thankfully, we have a couple different, but that for like, like straight down, it's all three of us early on. Yeah. Um, but the games I'm really excited for um, are obviously the Cowboys and Saints. Out, uh, Minnesota, Chicago is a good game. Uh, Giants, Redskins. I just want to see more Daniel Jones. I am interested in Ray and uh, Browns, Ravens because I like AFC North games. They tend to be the most physical every year. Yeah. All right. So um, this was episode seventy. You watch, I listen. Again, uh, for any betting purposes, go to betdsi.com. Um, use our bets, man. Make some fucking money. We're don't listen to Taylor's, but uh, listen to ours because we are far ahead of him. Yes. Um, I'm doing my usual thing where I come out slow out of the gate and then I catch up and win by the end of the year. I did this to Ralph last year. It's going to happen to you this year. I'm you okay just, with you it. You just have to worry about Taylor. Yeah, you just don't want to be last. Yeah. Um, Taylor, th- this might be a problem for you, buddy. Um, but yeah, this is episode 70. You watch, I listen. Um, yeah, the picks this week, I gave Midsummer as a movie and Josh gave Circus Survive Blue Sky Sunrise. Blue Sky Noise. Noise. Why did they write Blue Sky Sunrise? I don't know. Oh, what a stupid jerk. All right, guys. We will see you next week. Peace. I almost went to grab the mouse to turn it off. <laughs> <laughs>